Hello, and welcome to PS Pod, podcast for the journal Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics, Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, produced in association with Wiley. In this episode, I interviewed Stephen E. Kern, Deputy Director of Quantitative Sciences at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in Seattle, Washington, about infectious diseases in context of the possibilities for pharmacometrics and systems pharmacology to contribute to improved treatments in the area. You have had successful careers in academia and industry. What brought you to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? I was really attracted by the organizational mission, which is simply stated as every person deserves a chance to live a healthy, productive life. I have this opportunity to work on extremely challenging problems that impact the world's poor with a team of really motivated, passionate, smart people. This is a place where your hard effort can get amplified for impact because of the people, the organization, and the collaborators with whom we work. That's a tremendously compelling attraction. How does your group contribute to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation mission? We provide quantitative modeling and analysis support to the teams in the foundation that address our areas of focus. This might include modeling effective doses for new combinations of antimalarial drugs or working on a phase three trial designed for a new TB agent, uh, modeling healthy growth so we can understand conditions that lead to growth stunting, or determining appropriate dose strategies for new contraceptives. So in all, we work with about a dozen teams that are in the foundation and with our grantees to improve the probability of success for new drugs, diagnostics, devices, and vaccines that are being developed to improve the lives of the people that we serve. What has been your biggest surprise about Melinda and Bill Gates in relation to data and modeling? There's really been no surprises in terms of the role that data and modeling play in setting directions at the foundation. The co-chairs are strong drivers of this idea, and they've expressed that in their annual letter before. I think what has been surprising has been the resistance to sharing data we sometimes encounter among our collaborators. In my opinion, we need to consider data that's collected in health research as a global good from which the maximum impact should be gained. To achieve this, we have to get away from a mindset where individual researchers consider themselves as data owners who can limit access to the data. This perspective really slows the progress of bringing solutions to the problems we're trying to solve. Please provide a layperson definition of neglected diseases. Name your favorites and why. Neglected diseases are diseases that mainly impact the lives of people from the poorest populations. As a result, solutions to treat these diseases get overlooked compared to conditions that affect populations with more resource. The WHO has named 17 neglected tropical diseases that impact over a billion people in about 150 countries worldwide, and these are diseases that we are working on. My current favorite, I guess if you want to call it a favorite, is uh, HAT. Uh, HAT stands for Human African Trypanosomiasis. You may know of it or have heard of it as sleeping sickness. It's transmitted by the bite of a tsetse fly. I'm calling it my favorite because we're moving closer to eliminating this disease with new drugs, diagnostics, and also a novel trap to catch the fly. The combination of these tools may give people in the remaining countries where the disease is still present the right combination of things to bring it to eradication. We're using modeling to assess optimal ways to combine these tools to effectively eliminate these diseases. What do models of the burden 
of burden of disease and health impairment study about the cost and impact of neglected infectious diseases in low and mid-income countries. The neglected infectious diseases are essentially only in low and middle-income countries and are massive disablers of the world's poor. The global burden of disease estimates from 2010 project that the impact of these diseases in terms of the years of life lost due to premature mortality to be about 8 million and the year of living with disability to be nearly 20 million. How can modeling impact the progress of roadmap set targets for eradicating five neglected infectious diseases in 2015 and nine neglected infectious diseases by 2020? We're currently using modeling to assess whether we can reach these immediate and longer-term eradication targets with the existing tools that are available. That is, with the current drugs, diagnostics, and insect vector control measures. We want to assess if achieving these goals is a matter of just scaling up these existing interventions, or do we have to develop new tools to combat these diseases? What are different ways in which modeling could be leveraged in order to develop strategies for preventing and controlling neglected infectious diseases? So if the analysis shows that scaling up existing tools is not enough to achieve the eradication targets, then we can use modeling to simulate the characteristics of new drugs, diagnostics, and vector control tools that could be successful. In this way, it's helping us define the target product profile of these new tools so that then we can move forward with partners to develop them. Please provide examples of how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation modeling efforts have impacted recent developments in prevention and control, identifying opportunities for public health programs. Well, beyond the neglected infectious disease area, we've been working with our partner Medicine from Laria Venture on the design of a Phase 2B study for the new agent Oz439, which can be a great advance in treating it, malaria. We've also been working with the CPATH Institute to identify covariates in drug-sensitive TB patients that might indicate that they can be treated with a shorter course of therapy. This could go a long way towards compliance, increasing compliance, and, and improving the ability to treat patients effectively that have tuberculosis. Um, we're also working on an effort to understand factors that inhibit healthy growth of a child over their first 1,000 days of life. Uh, in this project, we've aggregated data sets from a range of studies that have tried to address healthy birth and growth through a number of different perspectives or lenses. Uh, for instance, from the viewpoint of maternal and child nutrition, or maybe water and sanitation, or the presence of infectious pathogens. And by themselves, these, these viewpoints or vantage points haven't really been able to conclusively identify uh, factors that contribute to the inhibition of healthy growth or stunting. And uh, we're in the process of beginning to explore this data, but I think that we can get some insights that perhaps haven't been gained in the past that will identify interventions that we could take uh, to go forward and essentially help children reach their full potential of growth. Uh, beyond that, we've worked in the area of Ebola in this past year, uh, essentially helping on the development of new therapeutics and also diagnostics uh, as part of our greater team uh, within the foundation. And actually what happens is uh, on any week, there could be a, a new opportunity that comes forward. It's part of the challenge of the job, uh, but it's also part of the, the, the great motivation and excitement. And you know, I wouldn't exchange it for anything. That was Stephen E. Kern, and you can find his article at onlinelibrary.wiley.com. I'm Dennis Velasco. Thank you for listening.